This episode of Where to Begin With is closing one door on one season and opening a door on a brand new one. This is the final episode of season three, which looked at film noir and neo-noir through 10 movie selections. I've already covered those 10 movies, but you guys only covered nine. There was a hangover, which was going to make its way into 2023. So without any further ado, let's get to your reviews of our final pick on the season finale of season three. It was, of course, Blade Runner. Your thoughts on this movie coming right up. I need your deck. This is a bad one, the worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants, three male, three female. They slaughtered 20... A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Mr. Deckard, Dr. Eldon Terrell. I don't get it, Tyrell. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. I was looking for six replicants in a city of 106 million people. You ever see this girl, huh? Never seen a Glesnoff. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. Questions. I just do eyes. Genetic design. Just eyes. Hello? I'm in a bar here now, down in the fourth sector. Why don't you come on down here and have a drink? That's not my kind of place. Time to die. If I didn't care more than words can say, if I didn't care, would I feel this way? Excuse me, Miss Salome, can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> you for real. He's a damn one-man slaughterhouse. I'm going home. Welcome to this 
addendum episode to season three of Where to Begin With. This is that awkward episode that always carries over into the following year. Its job is simple. It's to close the book on the final movie review from you guys, the listeners, and then excitedly announce where we're going in the next season and how you can get involved. Now, the final movie in our season three, which was looking at film noir and neo-noir, was Blade Runner. Arguably the movie that kind of changed the way we do science fiction crime movies. And what a lot of people would attest is the pinnacle of the crossover between the two. Now, that's not to say everyone loves it, and I'm genuinely curious to see what our listeners made of it. At the end of this episode, I will be announcing what the theme for the new season of Where to Begin With is, and you will not have long to wait before that first episode drops. It'll be out at the end of the month, and at that point, you'll know what movie you're covering and how to get involved. Now, on top of all that, this episode is the final one that is kind of the standalone entity that Where to Begin With was. And season four is essentially the amalgamation of not only what we do over here, but what was Movie Club over on the podcast Under the Stairs. So as we are moving more horrory with season four, the the two streams will hopefully intertwine. Now I know they say never cross the streams, but we can do whatever we want on where to begin with. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to announcing what we're doing after these reviews. So let's get to it, shall we? The first is a written review. It comes in from our good buddy Tim Walker, who writes, Dear Duncan and Teapot's Collective Folk. Well, Duncan, I never thought of Blade Runner as being a film noir, but now you mention it, absolutely is. I've seen it once or maybe twice before, but it was quite a few years ago. When I did see it, I was totally focused on the sci-fi and action elements. On this watch, though, the film noir aspects were front and centre though I kept losing the focus to the dreamlike atmosphere of the thing. Like I said, I had seen it before at least once, but that was probably 20 years ago. I liked it, but I didn't really get it, and I'm not sure I do now either. Positives, and there are plenty. The atmosphere is the combination of an intense fever dream of science fiction like flying cars, the bizarre pyramid-like architecture and the giant 3D billboards, and the apocalyptic noir thriller with nothing but dangerous rundowns and crowded back streets. The acting is top-notch, though one could accuse Harrison Ford and Sean Young of being a bit wooden or robotic. There could be a reason, as my question implies. Where do I stand on Ford's character Deckard being a replicant? I don't know, but you can make a fairly good and strong case for it. Putting that aside, every actor in this is at the top of their game. You could make the argument that every actor in the film never gave a better performance. Rutger Hauer definitely gave his best performance, although a strong case could be made for the Hitcher as well. Damn, he was good at playing the villain. The cinematography is gorgeous, and whether you like the movie or not, and many of the detractors concede, uh, this is one of the most beautifully photographed movies ever made. Hats off to director Ridley Scott and cinematographer Jordan Cronenworth. The plot is a bit convoluted, but I like the riddle of it. And not just the question of whether Deckard is himself a replicant. 
The interaction between all the characters, the difference between the regular humans and the replicants, like why the regular humans seem robotic and why the robots seem very emotional and more human than human. Negatives. Well, one thing kept bugging me throughout was that Decker didn't seem like a very good cop or Blade Runner. Kept getting his ass kicked and barely got out of it. He often bailed out um, and others of just for dumb luck. You'd think if he was a replicant, he'd be a little more effective and a little less incompetent. Just saying. There's the sex scene, which could also be called the rape scene. It's pretty uncomfortable. I guess it could be justified, especially if Deckard is a replicant and doesn't understand sexuality. Maybe. Or maybe that's Ridley Scott and crew trying to make us question whether Deckard is actually the villain. Or if every character in the movie is a villain. Maybe there's no good guys in the world. One more negative is there's a significant portion of the middle of this film that was pretty slow. At least on this watch, it really struck me that there wasn't much action for a while. On the whole though, the positives far outweigh the negatives. On my first watch, I would have probably given this 3 out of 5 stars, maybe 3.5. This watch bumped up to 4 stars and I suspect it may even go up with more watches. This time, I was a little more prepared for the whole kind of movie that I was getting. Maybe audiences in the summer of 82 just weren't on the movie's wavelength. To be fair, that summer had an embarrassment of riches in theatres. John Carpenter's The Thing, a fucking masterpiece in my opinion, also bombed that summer. I'm going to remind my teapots people here that the box office numbers do not a great film make or album sales with music. Some of the best movies or music didn't sell very well but still should be considered hits and vice versa. Anyway, this series on 10 noirs had some great films and though I didn't care for, um, or some that I didn't care for, sorry I'll never be a fan of Brick or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, or even Chinatown for that matter. Just not for me. But there were some I really dug. My favourite was probably Strangers on a Train. I'd say I prefer more horrific murder mysteries like The Gialli, or Film Noir, or even classic Agatha Christie style murder mysteries, but I've gained some respect for Film Noir. Actually, I can recommend a couple of my own for anyone that hasn't seen them. The Big Sleep, Starring Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall and Orson Welles film Evil Touch, or Touch of Evil, sorry. Uh, starring Charlton Heston, Orson Welles and Janet Lee. I'm very curious where we're heading next, Duncan. Whatever the category is, there's got to be some movies I dig. Too bad I missed out on that Jalice series. Every review, review would have been positive. It was just a matter of how much. Anyway, until then, I say to my teapots people, take care, stay safe. And keep that fire in your eyes. Tim. Thank you very much for that review, Tim. And glad we were going out on a positive. I, I could never tell. It really is one of those movies where I've heard plenty of negatives about Blade Runner. And I get it for the most part. Very much like yourself, how you were saying you hear people talk about it. But they concede certain aspects specifically the cinematography and the world building but you do get those things where people are like that nothing really happens it's super boring and I, I mean i can argue to an extent but i get where they're coming from i just don't see it that way the moments where there's a a, a quieter more introspective 
part is usually to me to build up those noirish elements, but each to their own as they say. The final movie review on Blade Runner is of course from our good buddy David Garrett Jr. who says Hello Duncan and T Puts Collective listeners, David Garrett Jr. here once again with where to begin with film noir and neo-noir films as this time we are tackling another one that was a odd blonde spot for me as this one is considered a classic by many. And this is one that I've gotten grief over the years for having not seen, especially when people know that I like science fiction. I think part of it is that my father didn't watch this one or introduce it, so it became a blind spot, and just for whatever reason, it never popped up for me to actually just sit down and watch it. So, Duncan, I do have to thank you for selecting this. So what I find most impressive with this movie is the world that is created. Part of it, I think, comes from being based on the Philip K. Dick novel of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I think this is another thing is that we have Ridley Scott behind this. He is so good at being able to create a sci-fi world that is different from ours, but make it seem so real that you just settle in. From there, we get a film noir mystery that just feels natural and normal to go with everything. So this one, of course, we have Deckard, portrayed by Harrison Ford. Now, he's like our private detective that you'd get in these classic stories. He originally worked for Bryant, who is M. Emmett Walsh. Now, he was a Blade Runner, which is kind of like an agent who goes to hunt down these people that are called replicants. Now, they're not actually real people, technically. They are androids, of course, and they were made for slave labor. They were created by, I believe, Tyrell, who, and this is Joe Turkle, which is kind of funny to me that this is an actor that I knew from The Shining and did not realize that I've seen him in a handful of other things as well. Now, something about these replicants is that they're designed to be better than humans. Some have turned, and that is why Blade Runners are needed to hunt them down. What is interesting is that they are so advanced, they don't even know that they're replicants sometimes. Or at least there is one in particular that doesn't seem to know this information. And on top of that is they're hard to detect who they are because they look and act so real and like lifelike that there's a series of questions that you have to ask quickly to them. And that is the way that some of these people can figure it out is through this test. So this movie here follows a group of four that have stolen a ship. And these are replicants and they killed the passengers and then came to Earth. They're led by Batty, portrayed by the great Rutger Hauer. Now, Deckard is pulled back in by Bryant to hunt them down. What makes this an interesting neo-noir are the elements of the classics in the genre, but just altering them to go with the sci-fi elements. Deckard, as I said, is our PI. We have Batty and his crew of villains, so he's got some henchmen like you'd see in those older movies. There's also the femme fatale in a way with Rachel, who's portrayed by Shang Young. Now, she is one of the replicants that I'm talking about that doesn't actually know that she is one. Now, Deckard offends and actually hurts her feelings with a comment that he makes, which is kind of interesting to play with here. She's also the next step in this type of technology, and it makes her seem even more human by adding memories. And he's the one that points out to her that these are ones from the niece of Tyrell, and you know that kind of leads to everything that I've already said. Something that I couldn't leave out was talking about how good of a cast that we have here. Ford is fine as our lead. He feels like a toned-down version of Han Solo. I'm just not the biggest fan of him, if I'm going to be honest. He's not bad. It's just, I'm. It just for some reason, his roles never fully connect with me. But Howard is great. He's such a menacing look as his villain. I like Daryl Hannah and Brian James as hench people. We have Walsh, who's good as a sleazy former boss. He takes on these roles so well. I also thought that William Sanderson, Turkle, Joanna Cassidy, and James Hong are solid as well. Just a solid group of character actors here that work well together and bring these characters to life, even if they don't necessarily have the biggest role here. So that's just something I wanted to bring up as well. So now this might shock people, but I didn't love this one. 
I think it's good though. What Scott did with Alien is here as well. Where we're not just having these like shiny new age type technology stuff that you might got in the like the 50s. Here we're actually getting stuff that feels lived in and a bit more gritty. It just feels real and lived in as I was saying despite the advancements of technology. Even though this is upscaled, I think the effects actually hold up pretty well. That adds to it. And I still recognize this is a good movie. And one that I'll probably end up revisiting now that I've seen it and actually enjoy it much more than this first time around. I did try to temper my expectations, but now having seen it, that second watch I'm assuming will help. And I'm just wondering if part of it is because I've heard how good it was and it didn't necessarily live up to that high expectations. So I'm not going to hold it against the movie. I think this is more of a me problem than the movie itself. So, Duncan, once again, thank you so much for selecting this one. My rating here for Blade Runner is going to be a 4 out of 5. And I'm interested to hear what everybody else's thoughts are on this movie. I'm assuming I'm probably going to be in the minority of first-time watches for it. But can't wait to hear it regardless. And this is David Garrett Jr. and I am signing off. And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for his review as well. And there we go. That's the door closed on Season 3. And let's open the door to Season 4. Season 4 is going to be a lot of fun because we are looking specifically at science fiction collaborations in horror movies. Now, you might be wondering what I mean by science fiction collaborations. Well, this is a huge subject to cover with many different subcategories that even my naive <laughs> brain tried to parse out early on in the thought process for bringing this to where to begin with. The plan was originally, you know what, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do science fiction horror movies, and that should be straightforward. I've got 10 movies in mind, let's do this. And then I started to realise that they all kind of split off into different camps. So, science fiction horror is something we're going to spend quite a bit of time with on where to begin with. And rather than waste time... Um, missing out movies that are definitely worth discussions what we're going to do is we're going to do it on this season which is season four we're going to take a break during season five and then season six we're going to come back and continue with more sub genres so under the banner of science fiction horror the first three movies we will be covering and where to begin with will be looking at horror movies that use the angle of time travel that's right. Then, following up from that, the next three movies will cover a different aspect of science fiction horror, and then the last four movies will cover another aspect of science fiction horror. So you're getting a group of three, a group of three, and then a group of four, which is three plus three is six, and four is ten. See how I did that. Now, time travel in horror movies, oh, we have so many that we can play with. So many avenues that we could go down, and there are obvious ones, and I believe that sometimes it's good to put the obvious ones out there, because once they're out there, the next picks become delightfully more mysterious. Now, I did give you a heads up with this. The last movie that we did as part of Movie Club on Podcast Under the Stairs was Coherence, and I said during that review that it would be a striking resemblance on where we were going in this our run on where to begin with. So I'm also aware that some of the reviewers from Movie Club over on the podcast Under the Stairs are now over here now and will be fully aware that they've already covered Time Crimes, which would have been the obvious one to go with. 
So rather than do that, let's do a movie that came out in or around the same time and used a lot of the same techniques, but is arguably the more horrific of the two. The first movie we will be covering at the end of this month on the first episode of season four of Where to Begin With will be Triangle. I'll be reviewing that movie for you and then in short order, you will be reviewing that movie for me. Like I say, the first three movies in this, our season four, we'll be looking at time travel science fiction horror movies. So with that in mind, you have no homework now. You might want to get a kind of head start by watching Triangle and getting your thoughts together for it but I will be back at the end of the month to give you that review. Now I know what you're thinking Duncan what does the end of the month mean that's that's a broad time scale it's not that far away on Sunday the 26th of February we'll be dropping the kickoff the season premiere of season four of where to begin with with a review of Triangle so until then uh, thanks very much for checking out this episode. Thanks for taking part. I look forward to hearing your reviews in due course in March. And I'll speak to you next time.